Here's another installment of Grimerica Goes to the Paradigm Symposium 2014 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Enjoy and thanks for listening. All right, guys, we are here at the Grimerica Show at Paradigm Symposium 2014 uh, with Graham. How's it going, buddy? Hey, I'm doing well. It's been a blast so far. Yeah, and we're here with our, our first guest. Meeting in the flesh with Ephraim. How's it going, buddy? Hey, it's doing great, man. I'm glad to meet you finally in the flesh. Yeah, yeah. Was... You look shorter, though. Yeah, well, <laughs> compared to Graham, I look taller, though. <laughs> Graham must have looked a lot shorter than you expected. He did, yeah. yeah. And fatter, probably. <laughs> no, no. Shorter and fatter. That's yeah. <laughs> well, been good so far. I think I've only seen a couple of presentations. That's kind of a shame. Yeah, well, there hasn't been that many. There's only been no. four in total, I think, so. I think. John Anthony West is going on down there right now. Yeah. I definitely won't be missing the Graham Hancock one. No, not at all. When is that? Two o'clock today? Yeah, it's this afternoon, I think, just after lunch. So, so how's it going, Ephraim? How's your trip in? Yeah, it was, it was doing good. I, I, Portland was actually a little bit nicer than the weather is here. It's kind of like winter to me. It's like, damn, it's rainy. I thought it was going to snow. <clears throat> Wind's blowing our hair back, you know? It's like, oh, it, it might smokes. fucking snow today yet. It's cold out there. It feels like it. But I'm anyway, having a great time here, and it, and it's not just the symposium speakers; it's interacting with the different people who talk and that come to the symposium. Yeah, totally. Right. Lots yeah. of cool people. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like we were talking last night, and we just coming up with this like intricate, you know, actually making sense theories about we're talking about the, the global warming stuff. Oh, jeez. Oh, man, yeah. And then I pissed off Busco. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's just full of good conversation and thinking, you know, and it's like. Open forum. Open mind. Open mind. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty hard to, to beat the sing-along that fucking busts out in the hotel <laughs> right, right, at right. fucking 11 o'clock at night, too. Yeah. Enough F-bombs there, buddy. This is... Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be here. Uh, we're actually recording out of the vendor room at Paradigm, and we're going to do uh, a bunch of different speakers and some of the attendees and even some of the vendor vendor people that have interesting books for sale and that type of stuff because uh, as Ephraim said we're meeting all kinds of crazy uh, interesting people and uh, not crazy like that but crazy interesting and um, we're gonna maybe uh, set up a live time on Mixler too on Saturday possibly 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 probably not we'll see it seems like we have enough variables so Ephraim uh, what are you working on these days you got okay. some crazy crazy stuff going on with mars and still and uh, your podcast is coming out yeah exactly uh, well, it's, i think it might have started with being on your show because that sparked an interest i noticed a big spike and people checking out my phobos monolith stuff nice yeah but as a result the discovery channel uh, got a hold of me and they can do a little segment and the show they have have you seen is nasa unexplained files oh yeah nice yeah so it's really good or as graham says nasa nasa right <laughs> how do you say it properly what is it nasa NASA? Yeah. NASA? NASA. NASA. Like Graham. <laughs> What's NASA? So don't don't yeah. count on me because I got New York, Puerto Rican, Brooklyn accent. So <laughs> don't follow my, you got Canadian on top of that. Oh, yeah. that's funny. But, but anyway, it's like the Phobos monolith thing is getting, getting a lot of legs on it. You know, and this is like something I did like years ago. Yeah. Uh, so I have that going on. And I'm also working on actually proving that there's life on Mars and that actually lives on the stains that I worked on in my research paper. Intelligent life or micro- no, microbial, microbial, fungi yeah. kind of thing, and that's what's creating the mess thing in Mars atmosphere. Ah, so little little microbial farts, kind of. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, well, well, when you think about it, maybe it's like those things that live on your face that <laughs> yeah. can't shit. Those right. remember those things that are talking about the mysterious universe, those mites. Yeah, 
they live on your face and then oh, when they, yeah, they, they yeah, can't yeah, they right. can't excrete feces so when they they just live until they eat too much and then they explode and then they die kinda? they explode and they oh. die and then they die yeah, yeah. yeah. i hope nobody's eating when they're listening to this but yeah. but but here's the misconception people think that cows are excuse the term but it's not cows excuse they do the it. Term. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be you know pc but it's not cows that I just dropped like it's, fifteen no, half paws. Okay, it's not cows. Instead of beef, it's not cows that. It's actually microbes in the gut that does it. Well, yeah, that's right. You know exactly. It's not yeah. the cows. So people have this idea: it's the big animal, meat-eating animal. No, it's this it's little a bacteria tiny, inside the exactly. intestine. Yeah, and it's actually a specialized kind. So that's what I'm proposing: lives on the surface of Mars, modified to the atmosphere that's going on there. Oh, anyway, do we in, do we fart methane too then? Probably, it smells like, or it. is it? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, do we though? Yeah, we do. <laughs> okay, maybe not you. Your shit don't stink. <laughs> oh, that's right. Except in yoga. Except in yoga. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, real quick, um, um, Alien Cartel is doing good. I'm working on the sequel that's going to come out. Nice. Doing enough. How's your audiobook doing? That? Eh, it's still, it's still okay. Yeah, it's good. Not, you know, it's not like banging the walls or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when's your sequel going to be out? Soon, man. Within months. Within months. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think you said uh, you're going to have the previews ready pretty quick, eh? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have you guys preview it, read it, so that when it comes out, you're ready to talk on, about it. On <laughs> top of it. All right, man. Ground's been looking forward to that one. Yeah, no, it's going to blow your socks off. When's the Discovery Channel come out? That's going to be in early spring. Early spring? Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of interesting because they talked to me asking about how I discovered it and the location because they're going to have an actor play out my part in it. Uh, you know, you're not going to do reenactments yeah. on these shows. That's going to be weird to see someone playing me. Looking they, at they, they looking be, at NASA images coming down fucking yeah, right, right, right. pixel at a time. Right. And you know, that guy better be good looking. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm just saying. Hey, you're pretty good looking, man. For your <laughs> age. Hey, they wouldn't let you play yourself? <laughs> well, not because like reenactments, you know, like you need an actor. Type so, type but are you going to have your, are you going to be on for anything? Yeah, yeah, or? I'm going to be on. You know how to do like that, have the, the guy talking real. And then they'll do like reenactment in the past. Oh yeah, somebody okay. acting it out. Did they did they guarantee that you'd be on like for your voice? Like you're not going to get like ten seconds or something. Yeah, you know, you know. Uh, all I can say, I don't know what they're going to do, and I hope that they do a good job editing it. Because you know, you can go either way. You can make something look good or something look bad. So I'm I'm asking to see if I can get a preview. If it's bad, I'm not going to say nothing to anyone to listen to it. But if it's good. Hey, check it out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm just saying. And then you've revitalized the podcast as well? Yes. And and, uh, and again, you know, thanks to you guys for, you know, actually revitalizing my podcast. Yeah, what is that? It's the Mars Anomaly podcast, right? Right, right. right. And you can get that on iTunes. It's just Mars Anomaly. And I just put a new one called the Preamble to yeah, my we, next one. Yeah, we heard that. It was pretty cool. And then when's your next one coming out? Uh, as soon as I get hold of this guy, that I'm going to interview. So right, okay. So we'll next week. So. Okay, cool. So you're going to start doing them... Uh, Weekly or monthly or just kind of whenever you can find a, you're going to yeah. start switch to an interview style with I, Mars, Mars folk. I think so, you know, because that was my original intent. And the thing is, is that some Mars folk are kind of um, nuts. I mean, kind of, you know, a little bit on the left side. Right? Yeah. You yeah. know, as well as people who are traditional, scientifically minded. And then you have, you know what I'm saying? So, but I wanted to, to interview the whole gamut. Yeah. And kind of know? meet in the middle. Yeah, yeah, and just kind of let people make their own choice about bridge the gap. So you're gonna get, uh, oh, what's his name? What's the guy who found the face? Oh, Richard Hoagland. Oh, Hoagland. Oh, He's been on so many. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see with that. No, no. I was gonna hit guys like myself that was doing the rock bottom, dirty work in the trenches. You know, kind of. Yeah. Thing, you know. 
and I just had so people can you know understand what's going on in the Mars anomaly field. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So, now we're looking forward to that. Yeah. Now they got the new rover up there. Yeah, yeah, that's happening. So, well, they should drive that over to a stain. That's what I'm trying. To get. Is it close to any? I'm Have not, you checked into the? Because you know where all the stains are on yeah, the planet. Yeah, they're not. They're close to some, but not not the ones that I researched. Not close enough to drive. I guess it takes right. like probably takes a long time to go a mile yeah. on Mars. Yeah, but anyway, that's part of part of my my thing is to get NASA. I'm, I'm working on this paper to prove this might be microbial life in these things, so I can get NASA maybe have a mission to just check it out. Nice. You know? The three hundred million dollar man. That's it. If you, I wonder if you do that, if you get to send something on it. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if you could like put a little e frame and plaque on it or something. There we go. Or maybe a Grimerica Moai. No, that'd be better. Plant a flag, the Grimerica flag. On Mars? Does yeah. that mean we own it? No, you have to call it Grimerica. Oh, <laughs> Grimerica. Hey, we got Nick, Nick Redfern here right. too, so we'll give you a break there, Ephraim. All right. Hey, th- nice talking to you guys. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Enjoy uh, John Thanks Anthony John, West. Yeah, enjoy John Anthony West for sure. Hey, where'd you get that coffee? Did you get that here? Somebody brought it for me. Who? Who brought it for you? Uh, Nuvi. How come I didn't get a coffee? Because you were way late, buddy. Because I was sleeping? That's right. Because I was in bed? What do you, do you need your phone? <laughs> you get a free phone. <laughs> Pretty quiet in here, actually. When when yeah, it's, it's not bad. when it's not in between shows. So now we got uh, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Mr. Nick Redfern. Thank you. How uh, how's it been? Oh, it's good. I'm enjoying it, having a good time, and uh, get to see some old friends, new friends, and listening to some interesting uh, presentations. When is your uh, you're on Sunday? Well, I'm doing um, a UFO panel on Saturday. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and then on Sunday I'm speaking about my um, latest UFO book, which is Close Encounters of the Fatal Kind, which is all about mysterious and suspicious deaths in ufology. Oh, that one is it kind of is it kind of freaky, really? Well, it, it's kind of like paranoid, you know, in the sense that there are actually dozens of weird cases where people have died, supposedly car accidents, suicides. But when you look into it, it's almost like somebody wanted them gone. And it was kind of engineered to look like a car accident. Do you ever worry that maybe uh, someone's going to fuck with your brakes? Well, not really, because I think if you're sort of visible and in the public eye about what you're doing, that's a different thing. One of the trends I found in a lot of these cases is where somebody was telling people privately they'd uncovered something sensational and they were going to blow the whistle. And then something happened to them before they went public. And I think that's like a big differentiation. If you're out there, it would look even more suspicious. If you're not out there. The trick is to just throw it on the internet. Yeah, just it put as, it all out there. As many places as you can. Yeah. Wow, that's, uh, that's interesting. So what, what about your, uh, your last couple of books, too? How'd they do? Um, well, all of them, you know, they do pretty well, and uh, I like to sort of mix it up, like a UFO book, then maybe a cryptozoology book, and I've just done one with Brad Steiger called The Zombie Book, which is like an oh, A to Z of right. everything yeah, yeah. to do with zombies. So, you know, that way you don't sort of get burned out and fried by just doing one subject for 20 years or whatever, you know, you kind of 
mix it up. And so I've just finished writing um, a Chupacabra book. Oh, nice. So Chupacabra, RPJ's favorite. Yeah. I love uh, how you dig up all these strange, strange uh, facts and stories like this uh, latest book you're talking about. Uh, I was t- chatting with Richard Dolan yesterday, and they were talking about one of the weird deaths in ufology going way back to... Uh, Who's the secretary that that memo was written to? Secretary of oh, Forrestal. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. be talking about Forrestal. Are you? In the good. Lecture. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, we had this big discussion. I learned all this stuff about yeah. uh, about his death there. Yeah, some weird stuff with Forrestal. And, you know, Leptor was pushed out of a 16th floor window. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, strange, oh, strange this story. Crazy yeah. shit. <laughs> so is there, isn't there a, I thought there was a UFO panel today or something for some reason, too, tonight. Um, maybe. As far as, well, the. The one I'm, I don't know about that, but the one I'm on is um, tomorrow. Yeah, I think Darren's talking about the uh, Mysteries of and Hermetics panel. That might be. Oh, yeah, that's. I think that's today. Yeah, that's What's not a me. Hermetic? <laughs> Isn't Hermetic when, like, something's sealed up and water can't get in? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> if that's the case, that doesn't sound like a very. Yeah, I'm going to be talking panel. about jars with tight lids and yeah. things like that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to start at the mason jar. It's a fan favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's not. That's definitely not. I know nothing about that. I don't think that's the masons they're going to be talking about. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I can't get it's, the lid off this damn container. It's the Freemasons. <laughs> so, are you enjoying the Minneapolis weather? You're a Dallas boy. So. Oh well, I don't really mind it because I mean Dallas right now is like 85. Oh, so and I'm originally from England, so I can swing back into like the cold weather. Pretty quick. And, and yeah. it doesn't bother me. I don't freeze, you know, I just kind of like, oh yeah, it's raining, it's cold, no big deal. How's RPJ <laughs> doing today? I know yesterday he had a toque and a jacket and a scarf, so I'd hate to see him today. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure he's like an Eskimo or something. But <laughs> I was hoping it would snow a little for him. Hey, you know, actually somebody told me in the coffee shop that it is supposed to snow tonight. It's oh. going to get, it's not going to stick, but it's going to be like little yeah. flurries. It was on the news apparently this morning. Awesome. Yeah. So I love how when you you come here for the whole weekend and you hang out with everybody and it's yeah. very social and yeah. it's just fascinating. Like last well, night in the, in the lounge, there's like 20, 30 people chatting about everything. Yeah. And yeah it, well, uh, it's kind of like, for me, you go to the conferences for two things. One, it's sort of full of information, but also it's like a good social thing. You know, I don't get some of these more, who I won't name, like ego-driven speakers who, you know, well, I'll sign books for 30 minutes. And then yeah. you can have your picture taken for $2 or something. Yeah. And then they vanish. Then they're you in know, the hotel room. Yeah, they're in the hotel room. And it's like, well, you know, people are buying your books. Spend time with people. Hang out. They want pictures taken. They want this. Don't put on a time limit. You know, if somebody just comes up to me and says, hey, can I have a picture taken? Or, Do you mind signing the book? Of course I don't. And I, I, you know, the way I look at it, we're all on the same level, or we should be. You know, we're all like, you've got your radio show, I write books, other people come to learn stuff, somebody else is a publisher. We're all in it together. You know, and, and then when the conference is over, you hang out and knock back a few beers and. Yeah, know, that, that's one thing about this, the Paradigm Symposium is the, <laughs> the evenings are almost uh, more fun than the, the yeah, days. Well, that's, that's what it should be. You know, you, you do the conference, then you all hang out and have a good time. I mean, but that's what, to me, that's what a conference should be. It shouldn't be just um, like an us and them thing between the speakers and the audience. That, that's not how it should be. I think that's going to pay off for you big time in the in the future going forward. Like, you know, just being so social like that, I think it'll be... Uh, I think, well, I don't do it like, no, on purpose, but no, I do it no, because no. that's who I am. You know, but I, I, I think don't, that'll be the... the yeah. you know, I don't want to sit in a room, you know, because I've allocated half an hour or <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want to just hang out. And, you know, I'm not one of these who... I'm pretty laid back, you know, I don't, people said, oh, you know, you want you in a shirt and tie, I said, well, that's fine, book somebody else for the 
comfort. You know, <laughs> that's not me. You know, I don't do all that stuff. I, I considered take me, wearing, how, how, take me how I am, or don't take me. You know, I considered wearing a suit. Did you really? Yeah. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> we should make a. We should make a Grimerica with the. We should get. We should make a model that has a tie on the front. <laughs> there you go. No ties allowed. What's what's uh, what's a what's another one of the your favorite uh, cases from your new book? Um. Oh, oh, I'd actually say what I'm also be talking about in the lecture, the links between the Kennedy assassination and UFOs. Oh, good, okay. Which there are actually a lot of very weird connections. And that you don't really hear about that much. No, like, everybody little... wants to talk about all these other connections uh, with JFK, but as soon as you mention UFOs to people, they go crazy. Well, they that's the, pro- the problem is it sounds so unlikely. The idea that the world's two biggest conspiracies like UFOs and the Kennedy assassination could actually be part of one even bigger conspiracy. But as I point out in the lecture, there actually are a lot of genuinely strange connections between the two subjects, like people who were reportedly involved in the assassination were also, we can prove, involved in the UFO subject in 47. The day before Kennedy was shot, he actually met with a medical guy who worked at Wright Field, Wright Patterson Air Force Base, in the summer of 47, and, and who arguably would have been one of the best people to have handled the bodies from Roswell and they were supposedly flown in in the summer of 47 and Kennedy met this guy his name was uh, Major General Theodore Bedwell he met him the day before he was shot and when huh. Kennedy was supposedly trying to find out who knew what about the UFOs and the bodies and that kind of thing maybe he was going to talk well that, that yeah that was one of the theories you know that um, Kennedy was looking to find the truth and speaking to all these people right up to the point of his death and then you know, the theory is he was going to go public and somebody like oh no that's not going to happen well didn't he have that quote right before he died too about there was some some sort of evil hand at play controlling well yeah kennedy tended to think you know that the not so much not so much the official agencies because i I actually don't think that the cia or the fbi killed kennedy what i think it's like the ufo subject i think the truth is hidden by what we might call like a shadow agency Almost, yeah, like that operates outside of government. When the Air Force says, you know, we've gone looking for the files of Roswell, and they said we didn't find anything, some people say, oh, they're just lying. I actually don't think today's Air Force really knows, but somebody knows. But I think it's like some deeply buried, extremely powerful, you know, imagine something like a regular agency combined with, like you just said, the Illuminati, you know, an ancient society that's got strands all around the world, but that's essentially invisible to even like people in government. And that's why I think people like Kennedy had to go looking for answers. You know, if, it, if the government was hiding the truth, the president wouldn't need to look for answers. That kind of makes me think it's done outside. It's this weird concept to get your head around, the idea that the Pentagon today might not know what happened at Roswell. Yeah, and it's really... somebody else does. Yeah, you know? well, do you, think it, do, you think, would you, do you think it's a private sector, or do you think it could be that the military-industrial complex is kind of broken away and it's its own thing uh, that uh, reports yeah, I, to nobody? Sort I, of I think it's a breakaway thing that is probably more private-based in the sense that, you know, the military is geared up to, you know, to go to war, or the intelligence community is geared up to do surveillance. Neither of them really are geared up to analyze an autopsy an alien body or figure out alien DNA. So they would, by definition, they would have to farm that out to private scientists and things like that. And then I think what happens is they get brought in and they're up, they get offered, you know, a side project or job, and then it becomes more and more privatized and outside of 
government. I think that's probably extended more and more over the years. Yeah. You know? Does it does it sound like that dark? Do you ever watch that Dark Skies uh, TV series? Oh yeah, I remember. Does that. it does it seem like that kind of like yes. behind the scenes thing? Yeah, like- kind of where you know when the government legit says, "Well, we've gone looking and we haven't actually got a super secret UFO study program." I think they're telling the truth. They just don't know that there really is someone else, um, and that's how it's. So is it ever gonna is it ever gonna change and break away? Like, well, are, is it gonna is does that mean disclosures? Um, much more difficult to happen then? Well, yeah, because a lot of people, I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for people in the disclosure movement from the perspective that they're doing, you know, they're, they're enthusiastic about what they do and they keep pushing and pushing and petitioning the president and the White House. But my view is that they're, push, they're approaching the wrong people. And where I think, where I disagree with them or the, the, the difference of opinion is that I think they are too focused on government. They're not seeing the bigger picture of, well, maybe it's not the government, it's outside. And then, of course, that causes problems because it's okay to petition the president or the White House, but if you don't actually know, (laughs) if you don't actually know who's hiding the truth and you're actually petitioning the wrong people, well, and the other thing is, of course, these groups, you know, some people might say, it's, I say they're being naive in thinking that just because you ask and send on all these petitions, that they're just some, somehow going to say, oh, yeah, we'll release it because 50,000 UFO all researchers right, want it. All right, you got us. Yeah, but, but no, that's not going to happen. I don't but think. might it create some pressure that wasn't there before? Well, or, it could create pressure, but the problem is if the truth's hidden by, hidden by like a shadow type group. They don't care. It's buried so deep, they're confident that nobody knows about who they are anyway. So what does it matter if a few files surface from the National Archives when the bodies from Roswell, you know, are held by this shadow group? Speaking of shadow groups, uh, we were talking a little bit. I overheard last night a little bit of talk about uh, secret patents. Okay. Was that? The, um, that was you, right? Secret patents. No, oh. no I think uh, Red Pill Junkie was saying how Richard Dolan talks about the, oh, the patents, that- the secret patents for... Uh, technology or in the oh, military okay. industrial mm-hmm. complex and red pill like, junkie couldn't figure out how how they were uh kept secret or kept hidden mm-hmm. yeah I, I actually think there probably is something too i mean i've got not personally researched that but i mean if you think about it when we went to the moon 45 years ago for the first time and we haven't allegedly been back then in 45 years if you look at all the adva- all the other advances in technology why are we still using chemical rockets? You know, I know we are using chemical rockets, but maybe there's like a an offshoot of the space agency, secret not NASA. Space. Not, I don't think it's NASA has. I don't think NASA has a secret space program. But I wouldn't be surprised if somebody hasn't developed craft that can go into space. You know, some arm of, I don't know, some agency or the military or whatever. But you know, the idea that the best we can do, forty five years after the moon landings is like the space shuttle or whatever when we've gone from computers that are the size of a car to having a phone that can pretty much do everything you need you know internet wise or finding information or booking your airline flight and you know even have your boarding pass and it's that big and yet we're still reliant on these huge lumbering lumbering rockets yeah it doesn't make sense no that that's why i think there probably is something i think part of the reason why the secrets exist is because probably the economic reasons 
you know, that so however the, long the oil is going to last for, they want to milk every last bit. Right, yeah. So that opens up the door to like pharmaceutical companies could be holding on to things like the cure for cancer because it's well, more yeah. profitable to yeah to keep sell people, people chemo treatment and, for cancer. Yeah. I mean, you know, some people might say that's cynical, but I mean, if you look at it from the perspective of treating something rather than curing it, you know, it's like like light bulbs. Well, people are always buying light bulbs, you know. There's, there's no reason a light bulb can't be made to last much longer than it actually does. For some reason, the secret space program would seem less shady to me than the pharmaceutical companies. You well, know, no, I'd be right. less pissed off yeah. about that, right? Because yeah. it's not really for a buck sort of thing. No, no, you're right. But, um, I mean, it's like you see all these commercials on TV. Like, um, you know, do you wake up in the morning and you don't want to go to work? You know, we got a well, if you do, you've got you've got like anti-work syndrome. You need to take this pill. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, no, everybody wakes up like that because oh god, it's another day. You side, know what I mean? yeah, side effects may include eye bleeding, your ears might yeah. fall off. <laughs> yeah, and it's like you wake up, you know, hating your boss and that kind of thing. You need to be on this pill. It's like medicines actually being people are being targeted with medicines. You know, it's kind of like the, the whole idea of. You Ask feel sluggish. You know, we'll take this pill. Well, instead of feeling sluggish, you know, get out in the cold and have a walk. Yeah. Get the blood flowing. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That's, do what people used to do. They put one leg before the other and they take the dog for a walk. Yeah, you know? yeah. Now it's ask your doctor. Yeah, ask your doctor to see if you need it's, this. It's funny. I just watched uh, with my daughter the other day. I watched that. Have you ever seen the Wally, the the Pixar movie where it's like no. the humans have left the planet and they've got these little robots that are cleaning the place up and it, uh, Eventually, it turns out all the humans are like on a spaceship for like seven hundred years, and they're just like nobody even fucking walks they're anymore. They just sit their blobs in these chairs, and it was made by uh, well, it's produced by Steve Jobs, right? Oh, okay. Owner of Pixar, mm-hmm. and then it, it everyone's been talking lately about he doesn't let his kids have technology and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It almost seems like he had a kind of a weird vision of how it, things were going to end up, but, well, think- but he is still willing to do it to make a buck. I think the problem is it's like there's got to be like a a middle ground where technology helps us, but we don't become slaves. to. I don't mean slaves in a sinister sense. I mean, just slaves to where, you know, it's okay having the remote control to change the channels or whatever. But when you literally don't leave that, you know, like kids today, like when we were kids, you know, you ride your bike around town and whatever today. They're on the bed texting the friend. What are you doing? Well, I'm texting you. What are you doing? I'm texting you. <laughs> you know, and and I mean, joking aside, it's like today's kids, you know, they're not that healthy compared to you know when we were running around. And, you know, and um, I know I I have a hard the other, time. The other thing is you get all. dependent, and then if something if something gives, right, like the power goes out for a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but it kind of gives you the ability to be social. Like I think we're social creatures, and when I think of like technology and cell phones and smartphones and all that, like we were writing like notes to each other in class and like all yeah. this. But I mean, we wanted to communicate, right? And now this is well, a, it, a technology it is to help us communicate. But I see where you're going. The, the only thing and, I see with the difference today is that the interaction isn't always in person. With today, you know, it, it's like you know, even if you're in class and doing this or whatever, or hanging, you know, you hang out with your friends. Today, it's more like, you know, one friend hangs out, you know, one kid's on his bed in his house, the other one's in, in his house or her house, rather than they're all hanging out on the swings in the local yeah, park. it's kind you of know, taken kind of... too far, where, where you, it's a powerful tool in uh, contact like with people around the planet, yeah. 
Yeah, but if Buddy lives down the street, you should probably just walk down there. Yeah, just walk down and, you know, sit in the park till 8 o'clock. But you can't do that there because you'll get attacked by child molesters. Oh, yeah, the fear porn is crazy about that. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, we used to go all over the place as kids, you know, just be back at uh, dark or whatever. That's like nowadays you can't even, like, you can't go to the the convenience store and and run in and grab a milk or something with your kid in the car. Otherwise, you're going to show up on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. You're going to get publicly shamed on Facebook. Yeah, and it's ridiculous, you know. I mean, there's... I mean, you've you've always had, you know, unfortunately, you've always had murders of, you know, somebody goes out and they get murdered. That's always going to be the case. But I think, yeah, it's just been overblown to the point where, you know, if your child's riding their bike at 7 o'clock at night on the street with their friends, they're going to die. You know? (laughs) And it's it's not true. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm I'm saying that all the time that people, even people at work, women at work, they're like, we're trying to make the world (laughs) human-proof. That's what it is. So you can't, they're child-proof, I guess. Sometimes you just get a world proof your child. You know, and it's like. But people fall for it, man. They're like, oh, there's bad people out there. There's this and that. Well, there's always been bad people. There exactly. always will be. But, you know, you shouldn't allow them to dominate your life. You know, it's. um, I mean, it's kind of, I guess, when you look at issues like like terrorism, you know, if you've got to fight terrorists, fine. But don't, you know, don't destroy your way of life to protect your way of life. You know, do you see what I mean? Yeah, totally. That's kind of like, that comes right back to the privacy debate. Is it worth, is it worth having the government read all your shit just so that they can maybe be, maybe protect you. But then I've heard the interesting angle on that now is maybe that's just a whole ploy by the government itself. Maybe they don't even have that capability. They're just saying they do to make everyone careful about what they email, text, talk about on the phone. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the the thing is today, you know, the world's a weird place with a lot of, you know, ifs and buts and whatevers, and nobody really knows, you know, or understands the sort of the biggest scheme of things because it's so complicated. You know? So how do you get to the truth in your books then? Because that's what I always well, say lately is I, I don't know what to believe anymore when you're watching, you know, the mainstream or this well, documentary, that yeah. documentary, but you seem to dig up this genuine uh, the, well, I mean, the what evidence. I, yeah, what I try and do is get what information I can and put it out. But tell people, you know, this is what I've found, this is how far we've gone. And I try not to speculate. And, you know, so I've uncovered this, I've found this, like with the Kennedy assassination, a lot of intriguing fragments. But can I, but I'm not going to stand there and definitely say Kennedy was killed because he was on the verge of releasing the UFO stuff. I can say the day, you know, in the days leading up to when he was killed, he met this person, this person, who had links with bases that were, deeply linked with the ufo subject and that that's what i do but what i won't do is you know well i mean we're all forced to speculate to a degree but yeah, i yeah. i i let people know when i'm speculating and when i'm yeah not yeah, yeah i like that is there is there a marilyn monroe and ufo connection there too yeah yeah um she's one of those breatharians maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah she was like a like a like a space babe you know sort of beamed down from venus in the 50s or something <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, there actually are stories about her and, you know, when she was having affairs with Kennedy and whatever, that he may have told her some things. And, um, oh, yeah, because there's a lot of speculation that maybe she was, she yeah. was offed, too. Well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, one of her friends was a journalist, Dorothy Kilgallen. Dorothy Kilgallen was the last person to interview Jack Ruby, who shot Lee Harvey Oswald. And, but Dorothy Kilgallen was also someone who had a 
deep UFO interest. And in the 50s, she spoke to a British government official who said that the British had got like a crashed UFO and these little bodies. So there's a link there between her and Marilyn Monroe and the whole UFO subject wow. as well. Wow. So, you know, you've got little strands, you know, like that. Oh, nice. I'm looking forward to reading that. Uh-huh. So what about your next, what are you working on after that? Then? Uh, well, I've just wrapped up um, a, like a road trip type book on all the investigations I've done into the Chupacabra. Right, which right. Is like, um, I've been to a lot of times to Puerto Rico doing investigations, the other ones. So this was like a road trip sort of hunting the Chupacabra in the, El Yonke Rainforest and stopping off for a margarita and, you know, and the, that kind of thing. And so nice, just running nice. around Puerto Rico looking for vampires, you know. So. That sounds all right, actually. I've, I've heard Puerto Rico is pretty nice. I know it's it's always, like, right up there on all those, oh, weird, yeah, on those weird happiness Rico. indexes yeah. they do. I don't know how they figure it out, but I know Puerto Rico always seems to be at yeah. the top. Uh, well, top um, San Juan, the capital, like, really. So, I mean, I could happily live there. It's sort of, you know, like, cool, laid-back vibe and yeah, it's a mm. nice place. What else was I going to ask you about the zombie thing, too? We were playing uh, some virtual reality. We had the Oculus Rift. Like, we're not gamers at all, but we had the Oculus Rift, and we're trying out this new uh, virtual reality thing. Apparently, there's some pretty crazy zombie games in there. Okay, yeah. There's uh, Well, the book I've done with Brad Steiger, a zombie book, is like an A to Z of everything to do with zombies in novels, movies, TV shows, folklore, history. So there's like 150 entries. Each one's like a 1,000 words. So, 150,000 words and so there's like um like a thousand word review of night of the living dead or the walking dead and then there's like a thousand word section on what viruses really are you know and um people who try to resurrect the dead like do you get in all the haitian voodoo stuff yeah there's like a section on on haiti there's a section on like different parts of the caribbean new orleans you know with the whole voodoo law there um people trying to reanimate corpses um, there's actually a lot of really interesting stories where the ancient Chinese had uh, beliefs about the dead coming back to life, and they would have this sort of jerky movement, which kind of almost like, um, you know, like rigor mortis, and they would bite people, and then the person would go pale, and wow. they would change, and it was just like today's yeah, zombies, yeah. you know. Huh. And, uh, that's the kind of zombie I want. I, you can keep those fucking zombies from World War Z away from me. The fast ones, fast oh, zombies yeah. are fucking crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's actually like a section in the book on World War Z, you know, pointing out, um, that, you know, people ask, one of the things we brought up is why World War Z got like a PG-13 certificate. There's nothing graphic. You know, it's like in The Walking Dead, you know, they're tearing people's arms off and eating them. It's like in World War Z, they're just driven to spread the virus. So they, they're like a, it's like an entire, the people are like a, part of the virus itself so you get bitten and then they run on to the next person and they bite them and they change and, yeah, but there's spitting. no eat they don't eat if you notice that in world was it they don't eat people they're just driven to spread the virus and infect more and more people hmm. maybe i will watch pile, they pile up like they, to get up the wall they're <laughs> oh, yeah, that's like cool. crawling on yeah, each other like, and, uh, and running down the streets and yeah. like tipping trucks over you know because oh. there's thousands of them <laughs> i like that film that yeah yeah it was cool. not bad yeah my favorite zombie movie, I think, is the Woody Harrelson one. Oh, yeah. Where, where, uh, I forget what that one's Zombieland. called. Zombieland. Zombieland, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that one's a classic. Now, I don't, I, people say to me, you know, do I think it could really happen? I don't. Not in that sense. But what could happen? Maybe we're something. zombies already when we're sitting on our bed well, texting that's each true. other. That's true. But what could happen, I think, is something like 28 Days Later, where it's the zomb- the people aren't actually dead, but they're infected what's called like the rage virus in the movie, where... 
you know, imagine something worse, like a modified like a rabies, rabies yeah. that drives uh, yeah. people insane, homicidal, and you know, you get bitten and you transform, and that you that could happen. But I, I literally don't think the dead are going to rise up and attack and eat people. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah something you'd, that. So you'd be like that, but you'd just be just as susceptible to being killed as a regular person sort of thing yeah like yeah. if you get shot you're dead you can't just yeah you don't and you don't need to be shot in the head you know you would yeah. just shoot him in the chest whatever but i think and probably some sort of fatality rate anyway right yeah. like you're gonna die in a month regardless or two weeks because the virus is gonna kill you yeah that's right yeah or you know people are so crazy that they don't eat and they just like in 28 days later it's called 28 days later because if, I don't know if you've seen the film. Yeah. Or okay. Well, this virus breaks out in England where these animal rights people release these chimpanzees from their cages. You know, they want to give them the freedom. And they've been infected with this modified virus called the rage virus. And one of the animal rights experts, uh, activists, gets bitten. And she changes in like seconds. And she bites a guy. And then it spreads across Britain. Britain becomes quarantined. Wow. And, and 28 days later is when... Buddy wakes up in the hospital. Yeah, the guy wakes up in hospital. He'd been in a coma. And, you know, Britain's all just ravaged. And he don't know what's happened. And then in the next 28 days later, all the infected are dead because they're so crazed that they don't eat or anything. They just starve because they're not driven to eat people. They're driven to spread the infection. What they do, they're like, chase after you and hold you down, like puke blood all over you. And you get, within seconds, you know, the blood hits your eyes and you yeah. change. Wow. Well. So the whole... Your whole survival instinct is gone, and now you're just yeah, you're just that instead of yeah. Taking care and of yourself. I think that um, I think something like that could happen. But we've got one section in the book where, if you actually look at the speed with which virus, real viruses spread, it's actually a lot longer. You know, it's like in zombie movies, you get a bit of blood in your eye. You know, within t- you got to run within ten seconds, the person's going to change. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. not yeah. like that. I mean, even rabies. Yeah. I mean, that can have like um a period in not just weeks, sometimes months. Months right? of gestation. Yeah, yeah. You know, there actually isn't any virus we know of that you get bit within 10 minutes. You know, you're on your feet, charging around like a maniac. It is funny, though, how fast you can even see something like a bad cold or something completely sweep through a city. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. and everyone you know will have got it at some point or another. Yeah. It really makes yeah. you think of how fast something, oh, yeah. something mean, terrible could fucking quickly, get along. But what a lot of people don't realize is that very often you've got that for like three or four or five days. Before, before. you start. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say by the time you actually start yeah. uh, exuding symptoms, mm-hmm. you're already not contagious anymore. You've passed yeah. the contagious Yeah, state. that's right. And you just weren't aware you'd got it to start with. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's nothing so far that can literally change a person. You that know, fast. Minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been following the, the Ebola scare lately here? Well, yeah, I mean, I live all in the Dallas. fear <laughs> porn around that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, any, any kind of virus that is, you know, communicable and can spread or, and not just through, you know, saliva or whatever, but airborne, you know, you gotta be really careful. I mean, it's like back in 1919 when they were Spanish flu. I killed like 40, they don't realize that killed 40 million people. Wow. Across in the 1919, year. yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, 40 million people is, that's like. That's like almost like, uh, the size of the UK. And yeah. The well, 60 million people in. Two thirds of the UK. It's like wiping out two thirds of the UK or wiping out, say, about 18% of the US population or something like that. Texas. What's Texas? I have no idea, but I think there's about 300 million people in the US. Yeah, yeah three or 350 yeah, or something well, like that. Yeah, well, if there's 40 million, I mean, you're talking. Yeah. 15%, yeah. maybe 40. Yeah. 
Can you imagine yeah. 15% of the U.S. population dead in like three months or something? Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Fun. And that was only... Hopefully it just stops at the border somehow. <laughs> but that was like, that's less than 100 years ago. People just, a lot of people either forgot or just don't know that can happen. Like with the plague, you know, Black Death in the centuries ago. I mean, that wiped out half of Europe. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's fucking scary to think about, eh? Yeah, I mean, that could, that could easily happen. I mean, there was that film... Um, I mean, what what is it? it? I think it's kind of a conditions things, right? Like, if you if you let your cities and shit get run down, is that what caused the plague more? Is it like fecal matter and just well, general with the black trash? Death, I mean, it was just it was just like the spread of the virus, and then you know, the rat population, and just five hundred years ago, there just wasn't there weren't antibiotics. There was nothing. Yeah. There was nothing to combat it. People didn't understand the concepts of, I think, keeping. You know, they probably kept themselves clean to stay clean, but they didn't understand the concept of, you know, sort of Cleaning bad sanitation cuts. actually causes, you know, there were, there's no concept of what a virus is, you know. People, they just knew people got sick and they knew what the symptoms were, but I don't think they had a concept or an understanding of why it's important to... Moldy bread, that's Yeah, trick. yeah. Eat moldy bread when yeah. you're sick? Yeah. I think it's got penicillin in yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. There's actually, yeah, the idea that certain, you know, like, like yogurt and things like that. Yeah. You know, they've actually got um, things in there which can help you, you know, rather than affect you badly. So, um, yeah, a lot of lot of things with viruses that... Um... Now I'm all worried about going to the fucking airport. <laughs> <laughs> Just use, Hold uh, your breath all the way yeah. through. <laughs> I'll, get one of those, I'll get one of those masks. <laughs> you always see it, it whenever there's a SARS or one of these things, you always see, you know, there's always a couple people in town that have to get their mask on. I use this thieves oil. It's a it's a uh, an essential oil, and it's called thieves because uh, it's got this blend of herbs and stuff that the thieves used uh, during the plague to rob people, so they wouldn't get infected. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Well, it's, there's well, a it's... lot of hangovers from the you know the era of the plague, even in the UK, like with nursery rhymes. You know, the, the nursery rhyme "Ringa Ringa Roses." Did you know that's from the plague? Really? really? Oh. Yeah. Well, the the, the Ring a ring of roses is that with the Black Death, you used to have like these red circles. That's the ring of red roses. Oh, okay. And a pocket, then they say like a pocket full of posies. posies. Yeah. Well, posies like a flower where the, the, the rumor was it could combat the plague. And then you go a tissue, a tissue, you know, you sneeze. Yeah. That was one of the final stages. And then we all, yeah, fall, we all down. fall down. <laughs> that's death. That, that's actually where that nursery rhyme comes from. Jesus. Yeah. You're just like, full of uh, great you're just full of, yeah, 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 you're just full of happy stuff. <laughs> yeah, happy morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's talk about death. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thanks a bunch, Nick, for All taking right, some time thanks. out and having yeah, a chat yeah. with us. Sure. Yeah, we're looking forward to your, your uh, talk. All right, cool. On. Thanks. Yeah, enjoy the rest of the symposium. Yeah, you too. Thanks.
bring on your gold and forgiveness will be sold. And if you're number seven, he will send you straight to heaven.